Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right. We're on the air. Welcome to another segment of the Cisco and Southphone Hour on broadcast and politics. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Hello, folks. This is uh, your friend, Mark. I just... uh, (laughs) In the good format of Students for a Better Future, we have to remind mm-hmm. everyone that Martin Luther King was a Republican and that Hitler was a leftist and a socialist, not a right-winger. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've noticed just today, just today, four friends coming out of Facebook, uh, or as I call it, Dick Book Prison, um, <laughs> it's quite sad that... Uh, their censorship hasn't stopped. Anyway, here's my rant. My rant is about mm. Putin and all these people talking about we have to have regime change and we have to get rid of Putin. Um, newsflash. I, I want to ask these people, what do they think will replace him? Do they think, what, they think they're going to have a ballerina like uh, Canada does? Uh, do you think you're going to have a boy <laughs> toy like the... Uh, president of france no you're not you're not now let's look at this history of regime change let's see uh let's look at libya what happened there let's see aside from the sid blumenthal slash hillary clinton oil business interest libya went to hell it was removed it, it, it it's a maelstrom of terrorism open slave markets minor fiefdoms and terrorists. So definitely, definitely. I'm worried with all this. I'm worried with all this talk of getting rid of Putin. Uh, don't forget, Russia has more nukes than we do. Uh, thanks to right. uh, President Oh Jackass, we almost unilaterally cut back our nuclear uh, missile force unilaterally. You know because. Putin was such a swell guy. You know, they talk about Trump in Russia. Let's look at Obama-Biden in Russia. Let's see. Russia was reintroduced into the Middle East via Syria. They now have a warm-weather port again in the Mediterranean. Um, Let's see. They walked into and annexed Crimea, part of a sovereign country, Ukraine. They did this in 2014. Hello. Where was the Obama administration then? Um... So who succeeds Putin? That's my question. Will we be a step ahead? Will we get a ballerina? Will we get a boy toy? I don't think so. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> well, it's well said. Very well said. And, but I think beyond this, I don't think uh, evil Putin is going anywhere. Okay? I think uh, at this point, um, he is basing everything on Ukraine and uh, in cleaning house, and especially the, the West 
and that's us and the Europeans, they stole a lot of billions of dollars, $300 billion of Russian reserves. Do you think a former KGB officer is going to go ahead and just say, oh, that's it, no more, I'm, I'm giving up? No, 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 no. This is worrying for a long, long war. And that's going to bring a lot of issues, the, the fertilizer issue, the weed issue, and everything. So anyway, let's bring on the expert. Uh, let's call Mr. Ullman, Harlan Ullman. who is, should be dialing. I mean, um, good evening, Mr. Ullman, how are you? Hello? Mr. Ullman? Harlan Ullman. Oops. Yeah, he's uh, just, I called him, let's see. Uh, well, sometimes technology again, but at least we're on. Um, see if, uh, Mr. Ullman? Uh, hello? Mr. Ullman is the uh, author of a new book called The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, How, Ma How a Massive Attack on Disruption Becomes the Looming Essential Danger to a Divided Nation and the World at Large. So um, that's going to be uh, when he comes back on. Um, well, let's try and call him again uh, because... I'm not sure what happened on, on the first call. Hello? Mr. Ullman? Hello, this is Harlan Ullman. Please leave your name and number, and I shall get right back to you. Thank you. All right. Uh, At the tone, call. please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Mr. Ullman, 845-262-0988, as soon as you can. All right, we will continue. Um, on, on other issues, wasn't it a really pitiful to see how the current president was treated yesterday? I know some <laughs> folks, I mean, it, it, it's sad that we have to um, endure such scenario of... Uh, the fruits of a stolen election. <laughs> okay. Yes, that seems to be the, uh, part of the reason why he's there. But uh, on the other hand, the way everyone was treating him, they totally ignore him. I mean, it was unbelievable. I have never seen that happen to any other president. And, of course, he, he has become an individual that has polarized the political environment and uh, – at this point, um, he's really someone who's probably going to be, they're going to have to take him out. Probably the 25th Amendment will come into play. Does anyone else want to pitch in and, and, and see what, um, 
give their opinion in regards to the uh, the current president. Uh, well, I'm trying to be a good boy and not hog up the yeah. microphone. <laughs> two two five four. Uh, do you have a comment in regards to um, the current situation with the uh, the current president? Every time he talks, he's lying about something. So who wants to hear him talk? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, anyone else has a, an opinion in regards to current president? Because I, I have never seen. I don't know if anyone else who's on, on the line. We have quite a few uh, callers. Um, and uh, it, it, it's really sad to see someone of that caliber of, a, you know, the reputation that he had. But, you know, with his son, Hunter Biden, with his laptop and everything. Mr. Ullman. Hi, what happened? I'm not sure. I, we called you, and, and your voicemail came on. I don't understand how that happened. Anyway, I'm here. Ready to uh, you know. <laughs> well, I introduce you, um, and thank you again. Apologize for last week. Thank you for coming on That's this right. week. And, and we're looking forward to... Um, Really uh, a very, very informative and exciting uh, program having you as our really guest tonight. Gonna start. How long are we on? We're going to start right now. Uh, How long? For as long, as, for as long as you want. Okay, good. For as long as you want. Okay, right. so one of the interesting things, the reasons I, I, I uh, brought you on is, is your book. I- interesting title. How did you come about? bringing that title to, to the forefront. The title is The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, How Massive Attacks of Disruption Became You have reached the maximum time permitted danger. for recording your message. If you are satisfied with your message... Oh, I'm sorry. That was your voicemail. <laughs> I don't understand why that's working. Can we start again? Yeah, please go ahead. The title of the book is The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, How Massive Attacks of Disruption Became the Looming Existential Danger to a Divided Nation and the World at Large. Let me take that step by step. Um, The Fifth Horseman, obviously, is the new horseman of the apocalypse. And the Fifth Horseman Mm -hmm. arrived about two and a half years ago, carrying massive attacks of disruption in the form of the new MAD, which is Massive Attacks of Disruption. Uh, mm-hmm. The old MAD, that some of your listeners will not appreciate, during the Cold War, was Mutual Assured Destruction, in which the United States, Britain, and, and France, and the Soviet Union had tens of thousands of nuclear and thermonuclear weapons. A thermonuclear weapon is designated in terms of millions of tons of explosive power. And so that if one was dropped on New York City, the crater would cover most of New York City. But nobody died under a mushroom cloud because war was deterred by the massive firepower both sides had. Two and a half years ago, 
COVID arrived, a form of massive attacks and disruption. A million Americans, more or less, died of COVID. We tend to ignore that, but that figure is greater than every American who was killed in battle since 1775. And as Joseph Stalin, the Soviet dictator, said, one death is a tragedy, 100,000 deaths are a statistic. And we are ignoring this larger danger of massive attacks of disruption of which Russia and China are a part. And unless we face up to these, and I'll go into detail of what they are, this country is going to see a great decline in its standard of living, and the American dream will be much, much more elusive. Let me take that a step further. Ironically, disruption, which has positive and negative sides, for example, the Industrial Revolution, the Information Revolution, the American Revolution, were greatly positive things. But interestingly, what's happened as societies have become more advanced, and our society is very advanced, it developed great dependencies, interdependencies, vulnerabilities, and fragilities. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Imagine going without your cell phone or your Internet, Mm -hmm. or you drive up to a gas pump and it doesn't work because chips are not working. Um, Mm -hmm. As I said, the number of deaths from COVID are illustrative. And what's interesting is that America has the second largest death rate to COVID of any other country in the world other than Brazil. How did that happen? I argue that there are seven major disruptors with which we have to deal. The most destructive is failed and failing government. Both parties are proving incapable of governing. And if you go back uh, 60 years, uh, the U.S. government was trusted to do the right thing by 75% of the American people. Today, what institution is held in high regard? The press isn't, the Congress isn't, the Supreme Court isn't, the Boy Scouts aren't, the lawyers aren't. And so the credibility of the government has been largely destroyed. Second, climate change. People may disagree about climate change, but there are three indisputable facts about nobody who believes in facts can disagree. The polar ice caps are melting, sea levels are rising, and temperatures are increasing. Now, that may be temporary, but all the scientific evidence proves otherwise. Then there's cyber and social media. We all understand what cyber can do. We had the attacks Mm -hmm. last year at Colonial Pipeline that cut off all gasoline to the Northeast. JRS meatpacking would stop meat being provided. Uh, And so cyber and social media, social media caused a number of the so-called color revolutions. It mobilized hundreds of thousands of Egyptians in 2011 in Tahrir Square in Cairo to overthrow President Hosni Mubarak. He's a hugely, hugely important and influential. Then we have debt. The debt right now, public debt, is $30 trillion. The government's budget for this year is just about $6 trillion. If interest rates are 5%, that's $1.5 trillion in interest against a $6 trillion budget, meaning 25% of the budget has to pay off loans. What does that do to Social Security, Medicare, all the entitlement programs, let alone defense? Then there's terror. Terror now has changed from 2001 when we were afraid of al-Qaeda and all the extremist Muslim uh, enemies. 
and now since 2001, of all the domestic terrorist attacks in the United States, all but one have been carried out by American citizens. And the one that was not was carried out by a Saudi naval officer who's undergoing flight training in Texas. Then, of course, we have the issue of drones. Drones are really interesting because they're largely unrelated. And suppose the insurrectionists on January 6th had been equipped with drones carrying TNT. They could have destroyed the U.S. Capitol easily. Now, let's understand this is a comprehensive threat, and Russia and China are using disruption to take on America and NATO. They're doing it in a very effective way. Unless we understand this is the major danger and respond, and there are ways of responding, but we don't recognize this, and we're not prepared. For example, supposing COVID-20 or 21 hits, do you think this country is any better prepared? How much better is our electrical grid than it was five years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago? It is not. And so unless or until we recognize these are the major dangers, we're not going to cope with them. And if these acts of massive destruction, disruption, and some of which are not deterrable, as the Cold War was deterrable in terms of war, acts of nature and, uh, and people are not dealt with, we are going to be in very, very difficult uh, periods. And I argue in the book, here's the way we deal with this, recognize the problem, understand we're not prepared for it, and here are the solutions in which we can make America safer, more secure, and more prosperous. And I'd be happy to go into great detail with what those solutions are. Definitely, definitely. But before we go on uh, in regards to solutions, I did want to bring something that that you did not mention, which is basically the, the valuation of the U.S. dollar, the collapse of uh, of the, the fiat, which currently it's basically having a really huge impact, the fact that we have a $30 trillion debt, and that's never going to be paid. How, how, does that, how would that impact also the current MAD scenario? Well, the, well it, it gets back to the issue of the debt. And first of all, the dollar is not going to be challenged by the renminbi, by the Chinese currency, because America is still the place that you're going to invest and get the best returns. So I think we're exaggerating for the time being of the issue of America no longer being the reserve currency. But you raise a very good point. And the key solution that I argue to resolve many of our problems is what I call a national investment infrastructure fund called the 1923 fund. And the reason I name it that mm-hmm. way, when you go back and take a look at the 1918 to the 1920 Spanish flu. That was an unbelievably volatile time in America. Domestic terrorism was rife. We had the Espionage and Sedition Acts. In Russia today, if you call what's happening in Ukraine a war, you go to jail. The same thing happened in America. If you protested army uniforms, you were in violation of the Sedition and the Espionage Mm Act. So America was in huge turmoil. You had more terror. You were fighting a world war. You had this this pandemic that killed 650,000 Americans, which today is equivalent to about 2 million. And what happened? After the pandemic passed and Warren Harding became president, he passed the first highway transportation bill. And by 1923, 
the United States embarked on the greatest, the greatest economic, economic boom in its history, fueled by electric, electrification. The country did not have electricity to 80%. That raised productivity. You had uh, Henry Ford and, and Walter Chrysler uh, building automobiles that people could afford. And when you built automobiles that required steel, it required gasoline, it required rubber, it required leather, it required roads, it required, required hospitality services. And so the combination put the Americans on a huge path to economic recovery. Now, it didn't work out very well because we didn't regulate and you had the Great Crash in 29. But my argument is we could build on the, what happened in 1923 to rebuild our infrastructure. Now, I'm not talking about just roads and highways and airports. I'm talking about our medical infrastructure. I'm talking about our educational infrastructure. I'm talking about our supply chain infrastructure. I'm talking about our research and development infrastructure. I'm talking about supply chain infrastructure. And the way that we do that, Congress already passed a trillion dollars in infrastructure. That's not going to work for several reasons. One, it's going to the states, there's no oversight, and there's no coordination. During World War II, we sold war bonds. I argue we need right. to sell bonds to invest in infrastructure. The way we do it is that we pay 2 or 3% above prime, and that we update that over time so people can make a great deal of money. By, in, by investing in, in these bonds. But more importantly, the government does not just give money away. You may recall during the 2008 financial crisis when the whole financial system was close to collapsing, the government right. put in place the so-called TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, $800 billion. And we forced the major banks, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, the like, to go public. And we gave them $800 billion to get well. But we did it on a loan. And not only that, we took um, positions in their companies in terms of convertible debt. So when the companies got well, we could convert that debt into shares and sell those shares. So not only was the $800 billion repaid, the government made money, probably about $100 billion. So if we're investing in, for example, green technologies, we're investing in the R&D base, we're investing in medical things, and we're investing in particular companies or whatever, why don't we take a position of convertible debt? So when those companies do well in five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, not only do the government benefit from tolls and user fees, but we make money. We can be entrepreneurial. This is a no-brainer. This makes common sense. It's exactly what is America about, and it worked brilliantly in 2008. But the problem is, quite frankly, both political parties will not agree with it. If the Democrats will want huge control in Washington, and the Republicans will say we have to decentralize, and so we're not going to do it. So instead, we passed a puny $1 trillion bill that's not going to do very much except add to the deficit. And as I said earlier, what this means is that for most Americans, standard of livings are going to decline and the American dream is going to be increasingly elusive, and we need to fix that. But to fix that, um, we need to come up with something dramatic because you're not going to repair the political process. Republicans and Democrats are each other's throats. They're more interested in, in politics and power than they are in government, both sides. And I would, as, as, right. a, as a radical centrist, I say a pox on both parties. 
I think their behavior is outrageous. And I'm not going to defend Trump. I'm not going to defend Biden or the people in Congress. They have to govern as this country is one, one country and not Republicans and Democrats. That's not going to happen. And that's going to take time to fix. And the way we can fix it is if we repair our infrastructure that over time is going to improve the lives and livelihoods of Americans. And as that occurs, then people will become, I think, more interested in consensus and agreement rather than entirely uh, attacking the other side, irrespective of the issue. I'll make a point. The only way American government works, and I think that our Constitution is no longer works because it's dependent upon checks and balances. The only way checks and balances work is if one of these conditions apply. One party has a veto-proof majority on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue and five votes in the Supreme Court. That means 67 seats in the Senate and over 290 seats in the House. That is never going to happen in our lifetime. Or you can have a crisis. On December 6, 1941, uh, Americans were completely divided. Most Americans opposed getting entry into World War II. The Japanese attacked, and what happened? The country rallied. We had COVID, as I said, that killed more Americans that died on battlefields. And the country was divided over vaccinations, over wearing of masks, over social distancing mm-hmm. and everything. And we're not going to fix that. It's just going to be very difficult. The 2022 election is going to be brutal. And I would argue the 2024 presidential election may be the worst in our history. So the only way we can get around that is to fix our entire infrastructure to make this country more productive in the 21st century. And by doing that, I hope over time we will remove the alienation that now exists in a country that's divided virtually 50-50 on every single issue. And to make a point, the way that the Senate dealt with the Supreme Court Associate Justice nominee, Judge Jackson, Jackson, was abysmal. Now, I'm not making any excuses for the way it was dealt with Clarence Thomas or Matt Kavanaugh, but the fact of the matter is that was outrageous, and it's the fault of both Republicans and Democrats. In an earlier time, five years ago, she would have gotten 85 votes. And the reason she did not get 85 votes is because Republicans and Democrats, and the same thing would have happened if this was a Republican nominee. Um, this is not the way we can be governed. And Americans understand that, but politicians don't, because as I said earlier, politicians are about power. And they'd much rather gain ascendancy to control both houses of Congress and the, and the White House than govern and shame on us. You will have heard President Biden saying that we are engaged in an existential war, in essence, between democracy and autocracy. By autocracy, he means one-man rule in Russia, China, North Korea, uh, elsewhere. fact of the matter is, democracy is not the problem. The problem is that governments can't govern. And so the issue is not, as I said, the democratic process. The fact is we have not gotten governments for a very long time that are capable of governing and coming up with a majority view, a substantial majority view of what's right for America. And so we have a profound fundamental problem that in essence is a cancer in our politics, and we've got to exercise that cancer. Definitely. But trying to stay on, on, on the topic of the current situation with the dollar, the, our currency, I mean, when you have Saudi Arabia uh, basically 
dealing instead of the, uh, the petrodollar dealing in in uh, the Chinese rem, uh, the yuan or the RMB uh, countries like India like the BRIC countries working with Russia and only trading uh, in rubles and other countries like uh, Brazil which is part of it and there's another aspect to this too and most people may not know this I'm quite sure you do uh, the Sandman project where 100 countries have agreed to drop one day the petrodollar, the U.S. dollar. To me, that, that seems to be a very, very substantial threat, especially when the current, our current currency does not have, like the gold standard that was in the 70s, backed by the gold standard. No, look, look let me interrupt you. The gold standard was nuts. Fixed rates are crazy. You need flexible. But here's the point. Anybody who wants to invest is going to invest in the United States for any number of reasons because it is still the most entrepreneurial country where you can make huge amounts of money. And so provided we can keep the economy going and we can re-energize us, we will always be, I say always be, the central reserve currency. But the problem is we can't do that. And so as our government fails to be able to look after the individual American and govern, obviously the currency then becomes a question. But it is not an immediate question. It could be a question five years or ten years or whenever if our debt gets out of control and we can't possibly pay interest rates. But right now, the BRICS, the BRICS, are, the BRICS are nonsense. Look, India is, is in chaos. India can't manage itself. If we look seriously at China and we took a look at all the weaknesses in China, we would be mm-hmm. aghast. The problem with China is that China could implode as the Soviet Union did. Look about China. Right. It has a huge debt problem, right? It has a real estate bubble on which its economy was mm-hmm. based and sustained. It has an underclass of perhaps a half a billion people, and if the government cannot produce economic growth at, at almost double-digit figures, that's going to be a problem. It has a demographic problem where the Chinese are getting old and there are not enough young people to fill the jobs and make up for this. And on top of that, President Xi is imposing such strictures, strictures on people who are entrepreneurial so that they can't make as much money as they'd like. He is destroying the entrepreneurial base of China. So here we are worried about this rising threat of China. We have greatly exaggerated its military capability. It has absolutely no chance of invading Taiwan with a major assault that would be, require forces twice as big as when ashore at Normandy in 1944. The Chinese have other options. And so my question is, what is the threat? The smartest thing the Biden administration could do would be relieve all tariffs on China and may relieve them on us, which is the benefit of the American worker. You want to cut inflation down? Cut off these ridiculous tariffs because they're not doing any damage to China and they're damaging us. We have to look at this in a very rational way. We're not capable of doing that. We see China as the enemy. Look, that's not the way you approach relations. Now we have fundamental differences. But if you remember when Richard Nixon had triangular politics in the early 1970s and sent his Mm -hmm. national security advisor, Henry Kissinger, to China, Henry spent hours with Mao and Zhou Enlai talking about the situation globally. What is this administration doing? They're threatening the Chinese. 
That's not the way you get into negotiations. That's not the way you deal. And so, and this is not just this administration. I mean, it goes back to the, the second Bush administration and Barack Obama. My point is that we are misdealing with China. Russia and Ukraine is a tragic problem. Uh, could we have prevented this if you go back to the implosion of the Soviet Union, possibly? And maybe in December of, 19, of 2021, when Putin made all these demands and we rejected them, maybe there was an inkling. But now we have a fundamental problem because, in Ukraine, because the only way we can do well in Ukraine is to make sure the Ukrainians kill enough Russians to make them quit. And if the Russians want to quit, what is going to be the negotiation? How do you deal with Russia when you brand them, quite rightly, war criminals and um, people guilty of genocide? And then who's going to provide the guarantees to Ukraine to make Ukraine assured that it's a sovereign, independent country? So we've got this huge, huge set of problems. And quite frankly, nobody in the White House and nobody on the Hill are really thinking about the long-term implications. And this is the problem of disruption. We are not properly organized. The executive branch is still organized as it was under uh, George Washington in 1789. And so we've got to mm-hmm. take a look at this, and we need to reorganize ourselves for the 21st century because it's not working. Now, having said that, um, the downside, as I said before, is simply that standards of living are going to decline. And could that lead to a future revolution in the, sometime? You have to realize the most truculent line in the Declaration of Independence, which everybody has ignored, is about three lines down, which says, when government becomes destructive, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and establish a new one. And at some stage, if our government does not become more sensible, there are going to be a lot of people, and remember, we've got more guns than people in America, who say, look, we need to do something. And I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen soon. This is one of the problems with a constitutional system. Parties refuse to govern responsibly. This is a dangerous time, and I don't project there's going to be World War III. That's not going to happen. But I do think that if America does not get a better idea of what's going and what needs to be done and recognizes the issues and takes action, America will be in decline. And that's in no one's interest. Definitely, definitely. Where can we get your book, um, Mr. Allman? Go um, online, Amazon. Go, go any any of the services. Uh, look, the book is filled. Let me just take you if I can through the book. Uh, the preface talks about 2029 and the new president who's taking office, a woman, in an undisclosed location because the White House, Congress, and the uh, Supreme Court have been destroyed by drones. Then the book goes through. First chapter talks about. Why has this country now become far more vulnerable to massive attacks of disruption? The second chapter lays out all of the major disruptors from failed and failing government as I went through to drones and provides scenarios of why there's no dangers. The next three chapters take a look, takes a very, very close examination of Russia, the Soviet Union, and China, bears and dragons of what we need to do. And aside from not predicting that Russia would have engaged uh, or attacked Ukraine, the analysis is very accurate. Two chapters that take a look at this is a, a, a major inflection point. Is this more like 1914 and the start of World War I, 1939, World War II, or 2001 and the attacks by Al-Qaeda, 
was this the end of a period, 1945, when the war ended, or 1989, when the Soviet Union became, became or was imploding? The argument I make is it's much more the former. We've got a problem. And then I go back to analysis of 1918-1920 Spanish flu, which I find really fascinating to compare the times, which are probably more desperate than that. But that's from which I get the idea for the 1923 National uh, Infrastructure Investment Fund. And then the last three chapters go into uh, recommendations for changing in the law, the Constitution. We need a constitutional convention, as well as how we organize both branches of government and what do we do now for a new national security defense strategy and foreign policy. And I lay out very, very specific arguments about how we can fix this system, which I think most rational people will take a look at because yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Def- oh, exciting. Uh, I do, I do, I mean, I agree with you uh, in regards to the Chinese economy. I mean, I've been to China, traveled through uh, China and, and Taiwan, and there is uh, what they call ghost towns. Of course. Fun to build. Of course. Yeah, ghost town. And, and, and the RMB, is, uh, their currency is inflated as their economy is. But I do have to give them credit in regards to they're preparing for this coming food crisis on a global scale. China has been purchasing a lot, and we are, I don't know, this, the current administration has been selling them food. So they're well prepared for at least a whole year in regards to food, and we're not. And, and, no, and we're starting to see a lot No, I don't agree with that analysis at all. The Chinese are not prepared because they are net importers, and we are net exporters. So we are far, far better off. But the issue is not the United States. Take Afghanistan. You have all these worldwide droughts. Afghanistan, half the population mm-hmm. is undernourished. Uh, one of the great tragedies of the war in Ukraine is that Ukraine and Russia export about 25 to 30% of all the wheat. That is going to cause a catastrophe. The catastrophe mm-hmm. will not be here in America. The catastrophe will be elsewhere, but that's going to spill over in refugees from all parts of the world seeking shelter elsewhere. And it's also exacerbated by weather conditions. You've got huge droughts. You've got huge storms. You've got huge fires around the world. And so there's going to be a food crisis, and we are not prepared to deal with that. One of the issues I would raise in terms of my investment fund is that we can be doing a lot more with creating artificial food. You can now get uh, hamburgers that are not meat. I mean, a, a great area is to come up with, new types of food that do not have to be grown from animals or plants, but that can be chemically created that are very, very healthy. This could be the Amazon or the Facebook of the 21st century. There are creative ideas here. And by the way, I've had these uh, non-meat cheeseburgers, and I cannot differentiate between those and the best cheeseburgers I've had at the best restaurants. So there are huge opportunities if we can apply our creativity. But the problem, quite frankly, is the political system prevents a great deal of creativity because you will find somebody who will say, well, if you're going to have all these artificial cheeseburgers, you're destroying the meat industry, you can't do that. And on the other side, people will say this is somehow unhealthy. In other words, no matter what issue you have, you come up with lobbies who oppose those issues, whether their arguments are correct or wrong. And too often in this country... We fail to understand what we don't agree on facts. We don't agree on knowledge. 
and we don't agree and understand it. In other words, what I believe or I assert is true, and that's nonsense. But unless or until we can base ourselves where there is some agreement on fact, basic fact, I go back to uh, climate change. Basic facts are that sea levels are rising, temperatures are rising, uh, polar caps are shrinking. There's no way that you can refute that, period. But people do. And until we <laughs> decide that facts count, we are in huge trouble. Well, Wait, know, the Chinese... I thought the uh, Antarctic uh, polar, ice, polar ice was expanding. No, it's shrinking dramatically. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, the hottest place in the United States was in Anchorage, Alaska. So if you wanted to get the sun, don't go to Miami, go to Anchorage. This is unprecedented. <laughs> no, the, the, the South Pole is shrinking dramatically. And in fact, it's no, I'm talking about Ant- the not the Arctic, the Antarctic. I understand uh, so the Arctic I'm, was. No, I'm talking about the Antarctic. The Antarctic is, is shrinking dramatically. And two weeks ago, the temperatures were 70 degrees higher than they've ever been. Right. Oh, wow. Because I thought we were going through a cooling trend. That, that's why no. the uh, climate no. change racketeers got off the uh, global warming car no, 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 and they no, no, jumped no, into no, the no. other clown car of climate change. No, no, no. Look, look, look. You cannot refute the facts that global temperatures are increasing by a lot. Now, you can argue, is that weather? I don't think it's weather. I think it's actually climate. But sea levels are rising, temperatures are rising. And if you just take a look at satellite photographs, the polar ice caps, Arctic and Antarctic, are shrinking dramatically. That's why sea levels are rising. This is irrefutable, absolutely irrefutable, unless you want to believe in, in, in nonsense. Now, is this going to be existential? I think it could be, but I think we have to respond to it. But more importantly, and Newt Gingrich used to agree with this, if you respond to it and you say we've got to clean up the environment, there are huge amounts of money to make in cleaning up the environment. I mean, this has all got an entrepreneurial basis of capitalism if we were smart. And the trouble is politics and ideology make us do really stupid things, unfortunately. We should have an energy policy. Look, we're doing crazy things because we don't have a sensible policy on energy. We need more nuclear power. And now we're burning more coal because of what's happened with the uh, production of, of gas and uh, of natural gas and oil, and that's making the environment worse. I mean, this is crazy, but unfortunately, no administration is able to come up with a sensible environmental and energy policy because it's going to be attacked by the other side. And we do not have enough bipartisanship to say we've got to look at this sensibly. People say America is energy independent. That is nonsense. You can't be independent unless everybody is independent, and we are being regulated by the price of, of, of oil internationally. And the other part is people don't understand there's a big difference between what's called sweet crude and dirty crude. And where we're very mm-hmm. good on sweet crude, we need a great deal more of dirty crude, which is why we're relying on Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. And we cannot produce that stuff. So people who say we're independent and energy miss the point. Technically, Okay. How, how, about, how about fracking? Uh, I do. Look, uh, we, Mr. Should, look we should be doing fracking. I, look, we, we should be doing nuclear yeah. power. 
we should be doing this is insane. Nuclear power is safe, all right? Americans yeah. did not say, even though we had Three Mile Island, nuclear power is really safe if we have the right design. But unfortunately, that Chernobyl, which was the incompetent Soviet reactors, and then you had the Aichi reactors in Japan, which were incompetently, where you put all this uh, energy waste on top of the reactors and cooling uh, basins, and then when a tsunami comes, they get wrecked. I mean, this is crazy. Nuclear power is important. Germany is doing away with nuclear power. In an energy policy, exactly. that's crazy. And by the way, well, there's a great hidden, let me finish, there's a great hidden issue yeah, here. Yeah. We're going to electric cars. Electric cars require <laughs> electricity. Now, what makes you think that to generate that electricity, we're going to spend a lot less energy to do that? We're not. We're probably going to have to create far more electricity uh, than we're doing with uh, fossil fuel-powered cars, and nobody has done that study. And I'm not saying electric cars are not better because of what they do for the environment, but you've got to understand that electricity is not going to come from trees. It's not going to come from the atmosphere. It's got to be generated. And if you imagine there are 50 million electric cars in America, 300 million cars, we do not have the capacity to generate the electricity right now to deal with it. To take this point even further, one of the greatest demands of electricity has to do with Bitcoin because people are trying to exploit Bitcoin and they're using massive computer power, which is draining electricity at a huge rate, larger than many other things, which is happening invisibly and nobody seems to understand that. So, you know, there's no magic solution unless we stand back and take a look realistically with a fact-based uh, truth-based, understanding basis of what we need and then move ahead. Unfortunately, we're incapable of doing that. Well, I want to mention in regards to the Europeans. Uh, the Europeans uh, started going with windmills and, and solar panels, and now sure. Germany, 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 one example, when they were trying to build that pipeline with Russia, the Nord Stream 2, because the sure. Germans now, Germans right now, uh, they're good for this year, but next year they're going to freeze their butts off. Uh, the, the head of the uh, German energy companies have said that the, without the Russian gas, the European economy will collapse. Uh, well, and the French, the head of the French energy said the same thing. So, I mean, it, but they, they basically were one of the first ones that wanted to go to renewable energy, windmills. You, you cannot, you can't do that. You're still going to need fossil fuels. You're going to need nuclear. But look, here's the problem. If we had really sound strategic thinking in this country, if we were mm -hmm. organized as some of the best investment funds are who are really smart and create all sorts of great things, we would have stepped back when the Soviet Union imploded and said, look, Europe is hugely dependent on Russian oil and gas. Is that mm -hmm. smart? And the answer is no. And what I'm saying right now, we have the opportunity to say, look, there's massive attacks of disruption. It's going to be weather. It's going to be climate. It's going to be all these things. So why in the future, when we are building, for example, new homes, offices, whatever, we don't build in a measure of resilience to deal with earthquakes, why do we not build in systems to make them energy independent so they are less dependent on energy? Why don't we do really smart things that are not going to cost 
a great deal of money. And so my view is that we have not been smart with planning across the board. And that's what we need to do. We really need to be smart. And quite frankly, we have been stupid. And I can go back and I can no, no. categorize, and I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm equally critical of Republican <laughs> and Democrat presidents. And I, you know, I can look, I go back to Bill Clinton, and I'll take you through this quickly. Bill Clinton made a stark mistake uh, in terms not only of what we did in, in the war uh, in Kosovo, which should have taken 10 minutes and not 79 days, but also with right. expanding NATO. George W. Bush, who was a terribly nice guy, I like George W. Bush, but he had two catastrophic eras, Afghanistan and then Iraq. He ruined the country with that. And then, by the way, uh, set off Russia on the wrong direction. And then we came with Barack Obama, who was setting red lines that he couldn't honor. He was making a strategic pivot to Asia, which offended the Chinese and, and, and scared the daylights out of our allies. And then you had Donald Trump, who was the most disruptive in many ways, destructive president in our history. And now Joe Biden, who I like enormously. But Joe is making mistake after mistake in terms of the Afghanistan withdrawal and not providing, in my judgment, Ukraine with the right amount of the right stuff in, in significant proportions. And so my conclusion is that we have not had a good precedent since George H.W. Bush, and this is a huge problem. And who's going to be running in 2024? You know, uh, Joe is going to be 82. I mean, I, I'm older than Joe, um, but I really question whether or not that's right. And you think Kamala Harris is going to be a good presidential candidate? And who do the Republicans have, yeah. quite frankly? The people that they have who might. Wow. I like Romney, but he's not nominable. And so a lot of these other guys are just as, in my mind, are Trump. So who on the Democratic side is presidential and who on the Republican side is? And I would like to know quite frankly, and I don't see anybody. Well, I have to say, uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Trump either, but to say that, that he was, Joe Biden is not as reckless, I mean, by, I think Joe Biden is, is the most reckless president so far. I mean, by saying we need re, uh, regime change in Russia, I mean, that's, and the things that, he, that come out of his mouth, I mean, I, I mean they just totally Look, ignore him yesterday. I mean, he's a disgrace to to to, look, to the president's office. I mean, to say that he was look, he's look, not I, I don't more reckless. I know Joe. I like Joe. Joe is a good guy. Yeah. I yeah. detest Donald. I detest Donald Trump on moral and yeah. ethical grounds. Okay, but my point is, Joe is messing up his presidency. The Afghan withdrawal. Oh, but you, you like Joe Biden on moral and ethical grounds, sir? I do, and I and yeah. the whole issue. Look, I know what you're going to raise. I could not think of anything worse than having Hunter Biden as a son, compared with Bo Biden. <laughs> this is a look. I try to do business with 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 Hunter in terms of uh, one of his one of his mm-hmm. companies, and I just said, no way, no way. This this guy is is a disaster. But you know, I would argue mm-hmm. the Trump children are disasters. And unfortunately, Biden is stuck with that. Where he had Bo, who was the apple of his life. And let me just tell you something. The biggest mm-hmm. tragedy that Joe Biden may face in his life, more than losing his wife and children in that car crash when he was elected to the Senate in 1973, Hunter Biden is somebody who is unstable enough he might consider committing suicide if he's cornered. Right. But 
this this guy is a, can you imagine having a joke uh having Hunter Biden as as a son or a brother i mean what do you do about that and it's not joe biden's fault this happens and so this is a calamity for the country and i understand that what the republicans are going to try to do but as i said supposing hunter decides his only way out is to commit suicide which he has said he's contemplated what does that do to joe biden how does it affect joe given all the tragedies in his life and does that mean that kamala harris could become president now that well, I, 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 my personal opinion, I think, I think both of them are going to be pushed out totally. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, that may well be. That, that may well be. But the point is, who's going to replace them? Who do the Democrats have? I mean, and who do the Republicans have? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the 25th Amendment is it's probably going to be kicked in, and uh, they're going to come out with some, something for Kamala Harris. But uh, I, I definitely think that if there's any chance for the Democrats to win uh, in 2024 or 2022, it's going to be, it's going to be. Uh, they both have to go. But getting away from that, uh, I just wanted to touch on the uh, in regards to the cyber attack. Uh, our, I'm very familiar with the, the cyber industry. Um, wh- where do you see the, the main attacks coming from, from your experience? Well, let me, let me reverse this. We do not have a cyber strategy. And I've argued, but we say we do, we don't. And what we should be teaching and what we should be demanding, first of all, we need cyber hygiene. So rather in school, when you were going to school, you had um, health hygiene, you know, brush your teeth, do all this kind of stuff. You need to teach kids about cyber. We don't do that in schools. It should be part of the curriculum, period. We don't do that. And more importantly, in companies, public companies, for example, you're regulated by Sarbanes-Oxley, which means that the CEO has got to certify mm-hmm. that everything he says about his company is correct. Right? Same thing with cyber. Every company should be required, just like they get an audit from the SEC if they're a public company, a cyber audit. Why don't we do that? I mean, there are very right. simple things we can do to protect ourselves, and we're not doing it. This is unconscious. You're, you're absolutely correct. You want to drive a car, you have to have insurance, okay? So otherwise, you can't get a license, you can't buy a car, you need insurance. Cyber, yeah. your company, you can't operate unless you have certain standards of cyber hygiene, and they should be checked. It's a no-brainer. Definitely. Look, we've got, we've, we've got all these, uh, these government agencies that check whether or not you're dealing with, with food safety and all these other issues. Cyber <laughs> right. Right. And, and the other problem is our government, the federal side, is organized as it was in 1789. We put in place after 2001 the Homeland Security Department and the Director of National Intelligence. These have been two disasters. Two disasters. Definitely. What we need to do, uh, what we need to do is to revise how the federal government is organized. We have a Department of Education. The issue is not education. The issue is learning. <laughs> don't you understand Definitely. that you can have twenty five degrees and know nothing? And so we don't do that. Department of Agriculture. Look, I understand all the sort of stuff about agriculture but the number of independent farmers is not statistical. So we need to change yeah. that. We need to have a Department of, of, of Human Resources. 
and we have 15 cabinet offices. That's probably five more than we need. And unfortunately, Definitely. you can't unfortunately take across, take down the bureaucracy. And the parts of the bureaucracy you've got to build up. For example, yeah. I think that the yeah. FBI needs to be built up in many ways. The IRS needs to be built up. And the tax code has got to be reformed. Will we do that? No. No. These are common sense steps that we need to take that any mother would say about educating her children. This is absolutely right. So what we've got to go back to is the mother test. This is something that you would look after your children. But we don't do that. And so what infuriates me is we do all these really crazy, stupid things. We have a tax code that is insane. That is insane. And yet, oh, yeah. unfortunately, can't fix it. And that's that going to require politicians to say, my party is not the issue, my country is the issue, and we have got to do things far better. And as I said... Mr. Allman, we, have, not we have a question for you. We have sure. 254. Do you have a question for uh, Mr. Allman? I have a comment. I think that nuclear uh, should come back so we can take care of our um, energy. And I believe uh, we put too much into the gas and everything else. But anyway, and I am not a fan of this president at all. Well, your point about nuclear energy, I mean, the issue about nuclear energy is what do you do about stored nuclear waste? And we have solutions. There are places that you can store nuclear waste. And I was engaged with a project to make a great deal of money out of it. In fact, you're going to store nuclear waste in Russia. And the Russians were prepared to do that. But that is the cleanest form of energy. And quite frankly, nuclear energy, despite Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, is the safest form of energy when you consider what uh, fossil fuels do in terms of the environment. So the answer is yes. But somehow people are afraid of the Chinese syndrome of melting down the reactors. And so emotionally (laughs) it's very difficult. But this is essential. We need a sensible policy in which we move from fossil fuels over time to renewable energies, nuclear power, and other means. But you can't do it overnight because you've got these huge companies that are engaged in oil and gas. And one of the things we should, in in fact, in terms of my infrastructure uh, fund, we need to be seeing what we can do with CO2 sequestration. If we can take CO2 out of the atmosphere, then there's no problem or very little problem with fossil fuels. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not doing that? CO2 is what we breathe out. No, we don't breathe CO2. We breathe oxygen. But my point is that uh, greenhouse yeah. gases are largely CO2. All right. Can you take okay. CO2 out of the plants? It's ABC. But we're not putting enough money into this. It's, it's sort of like cold fusion. That may, may not work. Yeah. We should be putting a huge amount of money into CO2 because, for example, if you could have, a, and maybe it's physically not possible, but I'm not sure that's the case. But if you could have but, clean energy from gas and, and, and oil, then why not use it? I mean, I, yeah, I find this astounding. But the biggest culprits, like India and China, are not going to go to get away from fossil fuels. No, but then if you have sequestration, it doesn't make any difference. So, it doesn't I mean, make we're, any the biggest, we're, we're the biggest provider of funding. And, yeah, and, 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 and the problem with fossil yeah, right. fuels no, no. is the production of CO2. If you can get the CO2 or the majority out of it, 
then fossil fuels are not a problem. Definitely. Okay, I have an issue with that. Excuse me. I have an issue with that because uh, when you get that, then then they're going to start selling that, and it's going to be more expensive than gas, any kind of energy they're selling right now, electric, because then you're taking over something that, you know, that is kind of natural out there, breathing, the air we breathe. Then they take, they're going to take not, that and sell it. No, you're not. You're not. And quite frankly, you're going to make gas and oil much cheaper because you're going to be able to use more of it. So the economic... Yeah, uh, it's cheaper. Yeah. 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 But anyway, anyway... Uh, too, the, problem, the problem with global warming is the amount of CO2 that goes in the atmosphere, which then raises in the atmosphere a buffer to prevent... Um, to prevent... Uh, the sun's been coming through. Well, Ms. Allman, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> and once once again, uh, Amazon, right? We can get your book? Amazon, you bet. All right. Thank and, you again. Uh, it's, it's the horseman and, and the new mad, how massive attacks of disruption are the looming existential mm-hmm. danger to a divided nation into the world at large. It's been a pleasure with you. Likewise. Mm-hmm. Next We'll be looking forward to next week for another exciting evening with an exciting guest. Thank you. Good evening, and God bless America. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.